part ten of a collection of stories reviews and essays by willa siebert cather this librivox recording is in the public domain part ten the bohemian girl sections one and two the transcontinental express swung along the windings of the sand river valley and in the rear seat of the observation car a young man sat greatly at his ease not in the least discomfited by the fierce sunlight which beat in upon his brown face and neck and strong back there was a look of relaxation and of great passivity about his broad shoulders which seemed almost too heavy until he stood up and squared them he wore a pale flannel shirt and a blue silk necktie with loose ends his trousers were wide and belted at the waist and his short sack coat hung open his heavy shoes had seen good service his reddish-brown hair like his clothes had a foreign cut he had deep-set dark blue eyes under heavy reddish eyebrows his face was kept clean only by close shaving and even the sharpest razor left a glint of yellow in the smooth brown of his skin his teeth and the palms of his hands were very white his head which looked hard and stubborn lay indolently in the green cushion of the wicker chair and as he looked out at the ripe summer country a teasing not unkindly smile played over his lips once as he basked thus comfortably a quick light flashed in his eyes curiously dilating the pupils and his mouth became a hard straight line gradually relaxing into its former smile of rather kindly mockery he told himself apparently that there was no point in getting excited and he seemed a master hand at taking his ease when he could neither the sharp whistle of the locomotive nor the brakeman's call disturbed him it was not until after the train had stopped that he rose put on a panama hat took from the rack a small valise and a flute-case and stepped deliberately to the station platform the baggage was already unloaded and the stranger presented a check for a battered sole-leather steamer trunk can you keep it here for a day or two he asked the agent i may send for it and i may not depends on whether you like the country i suppose demanded the agent in a challenging tone just so the agent shrugged his shoulders looked scornfully at the small trunk which was marked n e and handed out a claim check without further comment the stranger watched him as he caught one end of the trunk and dragged it into the express room the agent's manner seemed to remind him of something amusing doesn't seem to be a very big place he remarked looking about it's big enough for us snapped the agent as he banged the trunk into a corner that remark apparently was what nils ericsson had wanted he chuckled quietly as he took a leather strap from his pocket and swung his valise around his shoulder then he settled his panama securely on his head turned up his trousers tucked the flute-case under his arm and started off across the fields he gave the town as he would have said a wide berth and cut through a great fenced pasture emerging when he rolled under the barbed wire at the farther corner upon a white dusty road which ran straight up from the river valley to the high prairies where the ripe wheat stood yellow and the tin roofs and weathercocks were twinkling in the fierce sunlight 
by the time niels had done three miles the sun was sinking and the farm wagons on their way home from town came rattling by covering him with dust and making him sneeze when one of the farmers pulled up and offered to give him a lift he clambered in willingly the driver was a thin grizzled old man with a long lean neck and a foolish sort of beard like a goat's how fur you goin he asked as he chucked to his horses and started off do you go by the ericsson place which ericsson the old man drew in his reins as if he expected to stop again preacher ericsson's oh the old lady ericsson's he turned and looked at nils la me if you're goin out there you might a rid out in the automobile that's a pity now the old lady ericsson was in town with her auto you might a heard it snortin anywhere about the post office or the butcher shop has she a motor asked the stranger absently deed and she has she runs into town every night about this time for her mail and meat for supper some folks say she's afraid her auto won't get exercise enough but i say that's jealousy aren't there any other motors about here oh yes we have fourteen in all but nobody else gets round like the old lady ericsson she's out rain or shine over the whole county chargin into town and out amongst her farms and up to her son's places sure you ain't goin to the wrong place he craned his neck and looked at neil's flute-case with eager curiosity the old woman ain't got any piany that i knows on olaf he has a grand his wife's musical took lessons in chicago i'm going up there to-morrow said nils imperturbably he saw that the driver took him for a piano tuner oh i see the old man screwed up his eyes mysteriously he was a little dashed by the stranger's non-communicativeness but he soon broke out again i'm one of miss ericsson's tenants look after one of her places i did own the place myself once it but i lost it a while back in the bad years just after the world's fair just as well too i say let you out o payin taxes the ericsons do own most of the county now i remember the old preacher's favorite text used to be to them that hath shall be given they've spread something wonderful run over this here country like bindweed but i ain't one that begrudges it to em folks is entitled to what they can get and they're hustlers olaf he's in the legislature now and a likely man for congress listen if that ain't the old woman comin now want i should stop her Niels shook his head. He heard the deep chug-chug of a motor vibrating steadily in the clear twilight behind them. The pale lights of the car swam over the hill, and the old man slapped his reins and turned clear out of the road, ducking his head at the first of three angry snorts from behind. The motor was running at a hot, even speed, and passed without turning an inch from its course the driver was a stalwart woman who sat at ease in the front seat and drove her car bareheaded she left a cloud of dust and a trail of gasoline behind her her tenant threw back his head and sneezed Woo! i sometimes say it i's leaf be before mrs ericsson as behind her she does beat all nearly seventy and never lets another soul touch that car puts it into commission herself every morning and keeps it tuned up by the hitch bar all day i never stop work for a drink of water that i don't hear her a-churnin up the road i reckon her darter-in-laws never sets down easy nowadays never knows when she'll pop in 
miss otto she says to me we're so afraid that that thing'll blow up and do ma some injury yet she's so turrible venturesome says i i wouldn't stew miss otto the old lady'll drive that car to the funeral of every daughter-in-law she's got that was after the old woman had jumped a turrible bad culvert the stranger heard vaguely what the old man was saying just now he was experiencing something very much like homesickness and he was wondering what had brought it about the mention of a name or two perhaps the rattle of a wagon along a dusty road the rank resinous smell of sunflowers and ironweed which the night damp brought up from the draws and low places perhaps more than all the dancing lights of the motor that had plunged by he squared his shoulders with a comfortable sense of strength the wagon as it jolted westward climbed a pretty steady upgrade the country receding from the rough river valley swelled more and more gently as if it had been smoothed out by the wind on one of the last of the rugged ridges at the end of a branch road stood a grim square house with a tin roof and double porches behind the house stretched a row of broken wind-racked poplars and down the hill slope to the left straggled the sheds and stables the old man stopped his horses where the ericsson's road branched across a dry sand creek that wound about the foot of the hill that's the old lady's place want i should drive in no thank you i'll roll out here much obliged to you good night his passenger stepped down over the front wheel and the old man drove on reluctantly looking back as if he would like to see how the stranger would be received as nils was crossing the dry creek he heard the restive tramp of a horse coming toward him down the hill instantly he flashed out of the road and stood behind a thicket of wild plum bushes that grew in the sandy bed peering through the dusk he saw a light horse under tight rein descending the hill at a sharp walk the rider was a slender woman barely visible against the dark hillside wearing an old-fashioned derby hat and a long riding skirt she sat lightly in the saddle with her chin high and seemed to be looking into the distance as she passed the plum thicket her horse snuffed the air and shied she struck him pulling him in sharply with an angry exclamation blasne in bohemian once in the main road she let him out into a lope and they soon emerged upon the crest of high land where they moved along the skyline silhouetted against the band of faint colour that lingered in the west this horse and rider with their free rhythmical gallop were the only moving things to be seen on the face of the flat country they seemed in the last sad light of evening not to be there accidentally but as an inevitable detail of the landscape nils watched them until they had shrunk to a mere moving speck against the sky then he crossed the sand creek and climbed the hill when he reached the gate the front of the house was dark but a light was shining from the side windows the pigs were squealing in the hog corral and nils could see a tall boy who carried two big wooden buckets moving about among them halfway between the barn and the house the windmill wheezed lazily following the path that ran around to the back porch nils stopped to look through the screen door into the lamplit kitchen the kitchen was the largest room in the house nils remembered that his older brothers used to give dances there when he was a boy 
beside the stove stood a little girl with two light yellow braids and a broad flushed face peering anxiously into a frying-pan in the dining-room beyond a large broad-shouldered woman was moving about the table she walked with an active springy step her face was heavy and florid almost without wrinkles and her hair was black at seventy nils felt proud of her as he watched her deliberate activity never a momentary hesitation or a movement that did not tell he waited until she came out into the kitchen and brushing the child aside took her place at the stove then he tapped on the screen door and entered it's nobody but nils mother i expect you weren't looking for me mrs ericson turned away from the stove and stood staring at him bring the lamp hilda and let me look nils laughed and unslung his valise what's the matter mother don't you know me mrs ericson put down the lamp you must be nils you don't look very different anyway nor you mother you hold your own don't you wear glasses yet only to read by where's your trunk nils oh i left that in town i thought it might not be convenient for you to have company so near the threshing time don't be foolish nils mrs ericson turned back to the stove i don't thresh now i hitched the wheatland on to the next farm and have a tenant hilda take some hot water up to the company room and go call little eric the tow-haired child who had been standing in mute amazement took up the tea-kettle and withdrew giving nils a long admiring look from the door of the kitchen stairs who's the youngster nils asked dropping down on the bench behind the kitchen stove one of your cousin henrik's how long has cousin henrik been dead uh, six years there are two boys one stays with peter and one with anders olaf is their guardian there was a clatter of pails on the porch and a tall lanky boy peered wonderingly in through the screen door he had a fair gentle face and big gray eyes and wisps of soft yellow hair hung down under his cap nils sprang up and pulled him into the kitchen hugging him and slapping him on the shoulders well if it isn't my kid look at the size of him don't you know me eric the boy reddened under his sunburn and freckles and hung his head i guess it's nils he said shyly you're a great guesser laughed nils giving the lad's hand a swing to himself he was thinking that's why the little girl looked so friendly he's taught her to like me he was only six when i went away and he's remembered for twelve years eric stood fumbling with his cap and smiling you look just like i thought you would he ventured go wash your hands eric called mrs ericson i've got a cob corn for supper nils you used to like it i guess you don't get much of that in the old country here's hilda she'll take you up to your room you'll want to get the dust off you before you eat mrs ericson went into the dining-room to lay another plate and the little girl came up and nodded to nils as if to let him know that his room was ready he put out his hand and she took it with a startled glance up at his face little eric dropped his towel threw an arm around nils and one about hilda gave them a clumsy squeeze and then stumbled out to the porch during supper nils heard exactly how much land each of his eight grown brothers farmed how their crops were coming on and how much livestock they were feeding 
his mother watched him narrowly as she talked you've got better looking nils she remarked abruptly whereupon he grinned and the children giggled eric although he was eighteen and as tall as nils was always accounted a child being the last of so many sons his face seemed childlike too nils thought and he had the open wandering eyes of a little boy all the others had been men at his age after supper nils went out to the front porch and sat down on the step to smoke a pipe mrs ericson drew a rocking-chair up near him and began to knit busily it was one of the few old-world customs she had kept up for she could not bear to sit with idle hands where's little eric mother he's helping hilda with the dishes he does it of his own will i don't like a boy to be too handy about the house he seems like a nice kid he's very obedient nils smiled a little in the dark it was just as well to shift the line of conversation what are you knitting there mother baby stockings the boys keep me busy mrs ericson chuckled and clicked her needles how many grandchildren have you only thirty-one now olaf lost his three they were sickly like their mother i supposed he had a second crop by this time his second wife has no children she's too proud she tears about on horseback all the time but she'll get caught up with yet she sets herself very high though nobody knows what for they were low enough bohemians she came of i never thought much of bohemians always drinking nils puffed away at his pipe in silence and mrs ericson knitted on in a few moments she added grimly she was down here to-night just before you came she'd like to quarrel with me and come between me and olaf but i don't give her the chance i suppose you'll be bringing a wife home some day i don't know i've never thought much about it well perhaps it's best as it is suggested mrs ericson hopefully you'd never be contented tied down to the land there was roven blood in your father's family and it's come out in you i expect your own way of life suits you best mrs ericson had dropped into a blandly agreeable tone which nils well remembered it seemed to amuse him a good deal and his white teeth flashed behind his pipe his mother's strategies had always diverted him even when he was a boy they were so flimsy and patent so illy proportioned to her vigour and force they've been waiting to see which way i'd jump he reflected he felt that mrs ericson was pondering his case deeply as she sat clicking her needles i don't suppose you've ever got used to steady work she went on presently men ain't apt to if they roam round too long it's a pity you didn't come back the year after the world's fair your father picked up a good bit of land cheap then in the hard times and i expect maybe he'd have give you a farm it's too bad you put off coming back so long for i always thought he meant to do something by you nils laughed and shook the ashes out of his pipe i'd have missed a lot if i'd come back then but i'm sorry i didn't get back to see father well i suppose we have to miss things at one end or the other perhaps you are as well satisfied with your own doings now as you'd have been with the farm said mrs ericson reassuringly land's a good thing to have nils commented as he lit another match and sheltered it with his hand his mother looked sharply at his face until the match burned out only when you stay on it she hastened to say eric came round the house by the path just then and nils rose with a yawn 
mother if you don't mind eric and i will take a little tramp before bedtime it will make me sleep very well only don't stay long i'll sit up and wait for you i like to lock up myself nils put his hand on eric's shoulder and the two tramped down the hill and across the sand creek into the dusty high road beyond neither spoke they swung along at an even gait nils puffing at his pipe there was no moon and the white road and the wide fields lay faint in the starlight over everything was darkness and thick silence and the smell of dust and sunflowers the brothers followed the road for a mile or more without finding a place to sit down finally nils perched on a stile over the wire fence and eric sat on the lower step i began to think you would never come back nils said the boy softly didn't i promise you i would yes but people don't bother about promises they make to babies did you really know you were going away for good when you went to chicago with the cattle that time i thought it very likely if i could make my way i don't see how you did it nils not many fellows could eric rubbed his shoulder against his brother's knee the hard thing was leaving home you and father it was easy enough once i got beyond chicago of course i got awful homesick used to cry myself to sleep but i burned my bridges you had always wanted to go hadn't you always do you still sleep in our little room is that cottonwood still by the window eric nodded eagerly and smiled up at his brother in the gray darkness you remember how we always said the leaves were whispering when they rustled at night well they always whispered to me about the sea sometimes they said names out of the geography books in a high wind they had a desperate sound like something trying to tear loose how funny nils said eric dreamily resting his chin on his hand that tree still talks like that and most always it talks to me about you they sat a while longer watching the stars at last eric whispered anxiously hadn't we better go back now mother will get tired waiting for us they rose and took a short cut home through the pasture two the next morning nils woke with the first flood of light that came with dawn the white plastered walls of his room reflected the glare that shone through the thin window shades and he found it impossible to sleep he dressed hurriedly and slipped down the hall and up the back stairs to the half-story room which he used to share with his little brother eric in a skimpy nightshirt was sitting on the edge of the bed rubbing his eyes his pale yellow hair standing up in tufts all over his head when he saw nils he murmured something confusedly and hustled his long legs into his trousers i didn't expect you'd be up so early nils he said as his head emerged from his blue shirt oh you thought i was a dude did you nils gave him a playful tap which bent the tall boy up like a clasp knife see here i must teach you to box nils thrust his hands into his pockets and walked about you haven't changed things much up here got most of my old traps haven't you he took down a bent withered piece of sapling that hung over the dresser if this isn't the stick lou sandberg killed himself with the boy looked up from his shoelacing yes you never used to let me play with that just how did he do it nils you were with father when he found lou weren't you yes 
father was going off to preach somewhere and as we drove along lou's place looked sort of forlorn and we thought we'd stop and cheer him up when we found him father said he'd been dead a couple of days he tied a piece of binding twine round his neck made a noose in each end fixed the nooses over the ends of a bent stick and let the stick spring straight strangled himself what made him kill himself such a silly way the simplicity of the boy's question set nils laughing he clapped little eric on the shoulder what made him such a silly as to kill himself at all i should say oh well but his hogs had the cholera and all up and died on him didn't they sure they did but he didn't have cholera and there was plenty of hogs left in the world weren't there well but if they weren't his how could they do him any good eric asked in astonishment oh scat he could have had lots of fun with other people's hogs he was a chump lou sandberg to kill yourself for a pig think of that now nils laughed all the way downstairs and quite embarrassed little eric who fell to scrubbing his face and hands in the tin basin while he was patting his wet hair at the kitchen looking-glass a heavy tread sounded on the stairs the boy dropped his comb gracious there's mother we must have talked too long he hurried out to the shed slipped on his overalls and disappeared with the milking pails mrs ericson came in wearing a clean white apron her black hair shining from the application of a wet brush good morning mother can't i make the fire for you no thank you nils it's no trouble to make a cob fire and i like to manage the kitchen stove myself mrs ericson paused with a shovel full of ashes in her hand i expect you will be wanting to see your brothers as soon as possible i'll take you up to anders place this morning he's threshing and most of our boys are over there will olaf be there mrs ericson went on taking out the ashes and spoke between shovels no olaf's wheat is all in put away in his new barn he got six thousand bushel this year he's going to town to-day to get men to finish roofing his barn so olaf is building a new barn nils asked absently biggest one in the county and almost done you'll likely be here for the barn raisin he's going to have a supper and a dance as soon as everybody's done threshin says it keeps the voters in a good humour i tell him that's all nonsense but olaf has a long head for politics does olaf farm all cousin henrik's land mrs ericson frowned as she blew into the faint smoke curling up about the cobs yes he holds it in trust for the children hilda and her brothers he keeps strict account of everything he raises on it and puts the proceeds out at compound interest for them nils smiled as he watched the little flame shoot up the door of the back stairs opened and hilda emerged her arms behind her buttoning up her long gingham apron as she came he nodded to her gaily and she twinkled at him out of her little blue eyes set far apart over her wide cheekbones there hilda you grind the coffee and just put in an extra handful i expect your cousin nils likes his strong said mrs ericson as she went out to the shed nils turned to look at the little girl who gripped the coffee grinder between her knees and ground so hard that her two braids bobbed and her face flushed under its broad spattering of freckles he noticed on her middle finger something that had not been there last night and that had evidently been put on for company a tiny gold ring with a clumsily set garnet stone 
as her hand went round and round he touched the ring with the tip of his finger smiling hilda glanced toward the shed door through which mrs ericson had disappeared my cousin clara gave me that she whispered bashfully she's cousin olaf's wife End of part ten